0: Well, thank you so much for working with us uh, today in these unusual circumstances that we have. The word I want to share with you this morning um, comes from Exodus chapter 17. So I'd love for you to to turn there with me and um, as we'll read in just a moment, verses 8 through uh, 15 together. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 15 And I just want to share a word with you this morning about raising up a standard, raising up a standard. Uh, I I recognize there is uh, a lot of fear, obviously, out there. We know that. Uh, Some of that is stirred by people for other reasons, but we still recognize that uh, there are people at risk, and so they're concerned about, obviously, uh, placing themselves in a position uh, where they could possibly uh, contact and come down with this uh, coronavirus. But there are a lot of other fears out there. Even though the scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us spirit of power and of love and of discipline. And so we recognize that and we embrace that in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean the battles of life and things of life don't still happen. Every one of us, <coughs> excuse me. I do not have it. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But there's still battles. Every one of us either going through a battle, you're going through a battle now, or you're going to have to deal with a battle because life still happens. And we have through the power of the Holy Spirit within us that spirit of, of love and power and discipline. And so we don't have the spirit of fear, but we still have to deal with the realities of life as they happen. And so the scripture says here in Exodus chapter 17 and beginning in verse 8, It says, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up, that Israel prevailed, and when he left his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and they put it under him, and sat, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on the one side, and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until Heal the sunset so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword then the Lord said to Moses write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven Moses built an altar and he named it the Lord is my banner and he said the Lord is sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. And so, Lord God, as we come, we come to hear from you. Lord, we're asking you to speak to us afresh and anew today. Lord, the word each and every one of us individually needs to hear. You know where we all are. You know what battles we're facing or we're going to face, even if right now we're in a season of peace in our life. And so, Lord, we want to hear a fresh new word from you as, uh, Lord, we look at your word. So we just commit it into your hands, your grace, And thank you, Lord, for what you're going to tell us today as we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me set the stage for you uh, in this story. Uh, most of you, maybe all of you, you know that Moses, of course, was called of God, raised up by God to bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Now, the group that he brought out was not a small group. There are some who estimate it was close to either two to three million people. Some estimate even more than that. So this caravan that he is led leading through the wilderness is an extremely large caravan of people. And as you would expect as it began to travel along the way, then those who uh, were weak, those who uh, didn't have the physical strength, we would say the elderly, we would say those who were sick, uh, and others in different conditions would eventually just find their way back towards the end of the caravan. That was the most vulnerable part of this of this group of people that Moses is leading through the wilderness. Well, it is that group that the Amalekites began to attack uh, because word began to spread. They didn't have obviously digital uh, information at that at that time where they could get. Uh, word instantly but you know word even without that travels very fastly do I have a witness on that and and the word was out there and it was true that as they left this large caravan of people began to leave Egypt they took a lot of the wealth of Egypt with them and it was a type of wealth of course that a nomadic tribe like the Amalekites would love to have and so they are attacking the children of Israel as they're moving through the wilderness, uh, hitting at the back where the people were most vulnerable. So Moses, of course, is forced to take action just like our president is being forced to take action with everything that is going on with the coronavirus and all of that and when other things happen as well Moses was being forced to take action so the scripture says that uh, he called Joshua in and said I want you to get the men together and I want you to go down there and I want you to fight the Amalekites and while you're there I'm going to go up on top of the hill and I'm going to take with me the rod of God, the staff that he had as a shepherd when the Lord called him. You might remember that part of the story is that when he said, Lord, you're sending me to Egypt and I'm going to go before the Pharaoh and, and say, hey, let, let my people go. And he's probably going to look at me and say, really? How am I going to prove to him that... I am being sent by you. And so the Lord took that staff and he anointed that staff so that the miraculous hand of God could be seen through that staff. And he says, I'm going to take that up on the hill with me. Now the scripture says in verse 13 now here's the results of everything uh, that ultimately happened. It says, so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, three things that I think we can learn from this story I want to share with you today. First of all Uh, We need to recognize the right battlefield. Now, we're going to face battles. Some of you are out in the middle of a battle now, or maybe more than once. Sometimes they come in bunches, you know, from this direction, this direction. And it could be relational issues. It could be all kinds of issues uh, in our lives. But we're going to face battles. And we've got, we got to recognize the right battle field. Now, Joshua and the men of Israel were at a great disadvantage. Not necessarily in number we don't know. But we do know that uh, the nomadic tribe, the Amalekites, this was a way of life for them. They were very experienced in battle, very experienced in fighting. All the men of Israel had been brick uh, makers uh, for the building program of the Pharaoh. And so all their life, they would just been making brick. They have no experience in war. They haven't been trained. We really don't know what kind of weapons they really had, even though they Let's say here in verse thirteen that they, uh, were that they overwhelmed Amalek with the edge of the sword, and so they went into this battle uh, really uh, inexperienced and were at a great disadvantage. but the scripture says they had incredible incredible victory. now the issue was. What was the key to that victory that they had against the Amalekites? Well, it wasn't what was actually taking place down in the valley where there was hand-to-hand combat going on. The key to the whole victory was what was taking place on top of the hill between Moses and God. As he says, the scripture says in verses, verse 9 that he went up there and he was lifting up this rod, this staff. He was raising up a standard before the Lord scripture says that Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek this is verse 10 and Moses and Aaron and Er went up to the top of the hill so it came about when Moses held his hands up that is he raised up a standard he had the staff of the Lord in his hand that Israel prevailed but when he let his hand down Amalek or the Amalekites prevailed and so the whole key to the battle was not what was taking place on the battlefield in the valley but what was taking place between God and Moses and the standard the rod, the staff the anointed of God that Moses was lifting up to him so here I'd like for you to write this down if you don't have this I'd like you to write this down life's battles are fought and won on our knees in prayer not the battlefields of life I'm not saying the battle wasn't real. It was real. Men lost their lives. Wives lost their husbands. Men were injured and and, uh, had to deal with that a lot of times the rest of their life. Children lost their fathers. That battle was real. And the battles of life, obviously they're real. They're hurtful. They can be stressful. Uh, They at times stretch and challenge our faith. They are so real in our life. But the key to the victory... is not what is happening right in that battle... what's happening between us... and God... whether or not we're raising up a standard... whether we are crying out to Him... and asking Him to directly and divinely... intervene... in that battle... you know a lot of times... we make the same mistake that the children of Israel made often. And that is given to us in Jeremiah. So would you take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 and uh, in uh, verses uh, verse 13, Jeremiah chapter 2 uh, and in verse 13. And, no, and notice what, what God says to them uh, in this verse. He says, for my people. Now listen to this carefully. He's talking to us ultimately. And this is the people of Israel, but we're the followers of Christ. So the word applies to us. He says, for my people have committed two evils. Listen to this closely. They have committed two evils. First of all, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water water in other words their first, their first sin is the fact that they didn't even start with God they didn't even look to God they didn't even go up on the hill so to speak or go down on their knees as we're talking about here and begin to cry out to God the fountain of living water first of all they made the wrong choice how many times we do that how many times that our first choice is not to start with God our first choice is oh I've tried everything else I've viewed out this cistern and I've viewed this cistern and I hewed out this cistern and everything is still happening as it was I'm losing this battle why is that because when we don't put our faith in the Lord and start with him and stay with him then we're putting our faith in ourselves and every cistern we we create is a crackpot and you can fill it up And when you get through filling it up, it looks like a lot of hope there, but it's all seeping out the bottom because it's a broken system. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the beach and you're out there, maybe with the children, you might remember this, even you as a child, And you go out there and you dig that hole, you know, and the waves come in and fill that up with water and then you just watch it just seep right on out. It's a broken system. It's not going to hold any water. So the things that we try, the things of the world we try to deal with the battles of life or the fears of life. The things that we hew out for ourselves are cracked pots; they're broken cisterns; they hold no water. And so the Lord says, "Not only have you forsaken me, but you have chosen the wrong things. They're not going to. You're not going to find the answer there in dealing with the battles of life. I want you to start with me." As I want you to stay with me in every battle because it's not going to be what's happening in the valley. It's going to be what's happening between you and me, the Lord says, up on the hill with the rod of intercessory prayer raising up the standard before me. So we've got to recognize the right battlefield. Secondly, though, we need to recruit the right battle force. All of us would agree that Moses was a great man of God. Do I have a witness on that? Now, the key word in that, he was the man. (laughs) That means he still had limitations, and one of those limitations was a physical limitation. So he's up on the hill, and as we read that as we go back to our text here, and Exodus up on the hill, and so he is fighting this battle for them with the standard he's lifting up to God. That standard of intercessory prayer, the rod of the Lord that had been anointed, and as he's lifting it up, Joshua and the men, they're winning this battle. But he's a man. And he gave out a strength. And he'd have to drop his arms to rest his arms and rest his shoulders. And when he did that, the battle would just turn. And the Amalekites would start prevailing in this battle. He get enough rest, he'd raise it up again. And the battle would turn back to the men of Israel. And then he'd get tired, he'd drop it again. And then the Amalekites would begin to to win. So he recruited a couple of guys. He had already taken them up there with him, but he needed their support. So it tells us, and you know the story, I believe. But anyhow, the scripture says, as we uh, look into verse 12, it says, But Moses' hands were heavy, then they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on the one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the edge of the sort, we don't need to fight these battles alone what holds us back pride we, we don't want to be open we don't want to be honest with people and say hey I am just I can't do it I'm trying I can't do it pride most of the time holds us back but the Lord says we need to recruit the right battle force we need brothers and sisters in Christ who will come and support us now you'll notice in the text and I'm reading a little bit into this from that standpoint I guess but I want to be honest with you they didn't tell Moses how to hold the rod up they just came alongside supported him to hold up the rod before God, to hold up that standard before God. We need the right battle force. I I wanted to share with you how in Numbers, if you'll look there with me... um, uh, why it was it was no problem for uh, for Moses here to to uh, be able to do this? Notice with me it says in Numbers, watch this, chapter twelve and in verse three, Numbers chapter twelve, verse three. Here's what the scripture says about Moses: the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Folks, we're family. You're family. You're my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And I need you. Moses recognizes he needed the support of others. We should have the freedom and the joy even of being able to say, Hey. I need some support to intercede with me, to support me, to help me. It may be personally. It may be concerning your marriage. Yes, humble ourselves and bring in other couples to say, Hey, we need your help. We need your support. We need your strength as we deal with this issue. It may be a family issue. It could be any battle of life. It could be because of resentment. It could be because of bitterness. It could be because of lies of the world have Gotten into a relationship or a situation, and we're in the midst of a battle. And we need to have the right battle force. And that battle force is our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. We have to be wise in that. But there's some things we know about Aaron and her. And those three things are listed up there on your screen. They love the Lord, they live for the Lord, and they looked to the Lord. So when I'm needing support, this is who I'm looking for. Those I know who love the Lord, and they're living for the Lord, and they, I know they look to the Lord in their own life. And I bring them in. And I have some errands and I have some errors in my life that, that I just praise God for. I can call them at any time. And I can invite them into the battle I'm doing, whether it's personal or whether it's pastoral. i got confidence in them because of their walk and their witness and their worship of the Lord. I know. I can count on them. I can be confident in them. But you don't have to fight these battles alone. Moses couldn't do it. Great man of God couldn't do it. He needed an Aaron. He needed an Ur. That is, he needed spiritual support of men of God, or in our case, women of God, whatever the situation requires, to have the right battle force in the battle that they were facing. And so whatever battle you are dealing with right now in your life, or one that's coming, that you're not even aware of yet, recognize you're in a fight, win that battle on your knees before the Lord in prayer, not going by what's actually happening at the time in that battlefield. You've got to recruit the right battle force and calling in brothers and sisters of Christ that love God, live for God, look to God themselves in their own lives. And then lastly, as we look a little bit further into this, going back to our text, we must rely on the right battle focus, which is, of course, the Lord God himself. Verses 14 and 15 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua. Let's make sure he gets focused in on this. Make sure he sees this. Make sure he never forgets this. He says that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and he named it the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nissi. The Lord, our banner over us. And he said, The Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Notice the phrase. Here's what I want you to say. Notice the phrase that says, The Lord will have war against Amalek. In other words, he's reminding us of the battle. Is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Whether, whether we're talking about David. You know and he's, he's standing there before Goliath. Uh, in 1 in Samuel chapter 17. he's looking at that giant of a man and says. No fear. Why is that? Because the battle is the Lord's. Or even Second 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15, you recall when King Jehoshaphat got word that three other nations had joined together to come against the people of Israel. They were so totally, absolutely outnumbered and the Lord sent word to them uh, through another man had to simply say, Do not fear, do not be dismayed, because the battle is mine. So they just went out praising God. He put the choir in front of the army and they went out praising God and as soon as they started praising the Lord, the Lord stepped in. They did not have to fight for one second. The Lord won the battle because it was his battle. Because he is Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord, our banner. Is he your banner? Will you allow him to be your protector? Will you allow him to release his power in your life by recognizing the right battlefield? By recruiting the right battle force? And by relying on the right battle focus which is none other than the Lord God of heaven and earth. Your Lord your Savior, your King, your Master. So here, what we want to do. I want everybody just to bow their heads and close their eyes. Now, now is the time not just to sit there and think. Now is the time to act. You got a battle? In the midst of a battle? Well, maybe the first thing you need to do is come and say, Lord, I started with myself. I've been trying to deal with this. I have been hewing out my own cisterns. And it just keeps seeping out the bottom. I realize today it's nothing but a crackpot. I need you, the fountain of living water. I need you, Jehovah Nissi, to be the one. I want to start with you today and I want to stay with you until victory has come. Would you just get up right where you are, forget about everybody else, and just come to this altar and say, Lord, today, today, I'm calling upon you, Jehovah Nisi, to begin to intervene, to become and be directly, divinely involved in this battle that I'm facing in my life. Maybe you're looking for some errands and you're looking for some errors that you say, Lord, I need you to raise them up. I need you to draw them to me. need to be able to know who they are then I can ask to help stand in the gap. I can be confident the Lord and they're praying and confident in their confidentiality even if that is necessary and so you need to come and say oh Lord God help me find them. Just get up right where you are whether you're in the balcony, whether you're down here and just come to this altar